happen? How can you encourage us with God's word? Please encourage us. We're struggling here. They've thrown us out of the village um, cultivating areas. How can you encourage us? What can God do for us? And so I was able to, with God's help, just take them to Psalm 37. And that's what I want to do with you this morning. And we're going to be looking at the first 11 verses of the psalm. Let's see what the psalm says for us too this morning as we have to live our lives before our Lord. Psalm 37, verse 1 to 11. It's the psalm of David. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. When Jesus spoke about blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth in Matthew chapter 5 verse 5 in the Beatitudes, this was what he was referring to. It was this psalm specifically which David had expounded or preached on through this psalm a thousand years before. You see, David through his long lifetime had been reflecting on the ways of the righteous and the ways of the wicked and God's dealings with each. And here in the psalm, he puts his findings down so that you and I can learn from it as well. The first two verses we see there, he summarizes what he's going to be saying afterwards. He, he puts down the main phrase of what he's going to be saying to us. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Now he's going to expand on that. So what does he mean by this do not fret? It literally means, the word fret means do not get heated up. In our language, don't get all het up. It's the old English word het for heat. Don't get all het up about. Don't get all twisted about. Don't get all agitated about, is what he's saying. He repeats this theme in verse 1, verse 7 and verse 8. He uses that phrase, do not fret, do not fret, over and over. Why? What are we getting fret up about? What are we getting heated up about? Because of evildoers. You see, when we look around us, when those believers in those villages look around them, they see evildoers seem to be prospering. When we look around us in the society that we're living, we see Evildoers seem to be prospering. How come Christians always seem to be struggling? Why do the evil always seem to win the lotto? Twice. 
Why do they always seem to have major incomes and mercs? And I'm not talking across the board, but a lot of non-believers seem to be really prospering while we are struggling. Why do we as Christians have to struggle when the Hindus around us, say these Christians, seem to do so well? They seem to be able to sell our crops and get so much more for it than what we can get. Why? And so they start fretting, eating up. You see, they look around them and they see the success. We look around us and we see the success of others. And what do we start to do? We heat up. Why? Because we haven't got as much. You see, it's an inward looking thing. We see and then it turns into, why haven't we got as much? Self-directed. And we start becoming jealous of wrongdoers. Get that? We start becoming jealous of wrongdoers. We start getting all het up and we start uttering words like, it's unfair. I've been struggling my whole life with my finances. It's just unfair. Have you ever said those words? And then our anger starts turning towards God. God, I've trusted you my whole life. Why am I still struggling like this? It's not just a question anymore. There's a tinge there of bitterness. That's what he's speaking about. We see the evil prospering at the expense of the righteous and our conclusion is nice guys come last. Isn't that it? Well, what does the psalmist say? He says, you see all this, but here's the reality, says verse 2, they will wither and fade in the end. You see, it's all temporary, he says. And so you're getting yourself all bitter and twisted over something which is momentary. For instance, the contrast is something like, your shadow is much longer than mine. Well, that's going to change, isn't it? That's the kind of contrast he's speaking about. It's temporary. Why are you getting all twisted? It's a good reminder. I found myself like that. Is anger worth it? So how do we overcome this natural response when we look around us? How do we overcome this natural response to this anger starting to build in us? He says, there's five ways to do that, says the psalmist. Look up to the Lord. When I look up to the Lord, what do I see? He says, firstly, trust in the Lord. There's that verse, verse 3. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. You see, when we trust in the Lord, trust is a faith, is a, an active thing. It's not a passive thing. Trust in the Lord means I've got to actively take my eyes off what I'm seeing and turn my eyes back to Jesus Christ. There's action involved. I can't just carry on looking and getting the same thoughts and hope that I'll be alright. I've got to take action. And if you've been struggling with this issue, you've got to take action. You've got to put your eyes on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. It's a looking towards the Lord and then getting the feet to follow the action. And that comes from the heart, doesn't it? So I've got to orientate my heart again to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord Almighty. If you've got a Bible there, you'll see it says L-O-R-D in capitals. Almighty God. Trust the Lord who is the Almighty One. 
And it's not all. There's a physical thing I need to do too. He says, and do good. You see, we're saved by grace, but our actions should be saved too. It should be lived out into what we do every day. We are to do good where God has put us. And yes, things might be going wrong against us, and we might be struggling every day, but the Lord says, while you're struggling, trust me, and do good at the same time. Because the world will see that I live through you, even though you struggle. I love this next phrase. It says, dwell in the land. That means pitch your tents there. Dwell in the land. Among the unbelievers. And no, we are not to cloister ourselves up in our little church buildings. No, we are not to cloister ourselves up into little holy Christian units or uh, as they have in the South Island. It's been on TV quite a few times now. These little Christian communities. The Lord says, no, no, get out into the community and live in Wanganui. Where Aucklanders don't dare go. Live there. And be salt and light among the community. And he doesn't leave it there. He says, and cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness. I love that. It's kind of staying on the land image. I'm going to cultivate crops and look after myself and and be salt and light in the community, but I must also cultivate faithfulness among my hardship during it. That means I must grow and nurture faithfulness despite my circumstances. You see? It doesn't come naturally. How do we grow and nurture faithfulness? By spending time in God's Word, by putting it into action as the Holy Spirit allows us, by being open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, by keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. That is how we cultivate faithfulness. And it will show in the way I work. It will show in the example I set to my fellow staff members at work. It will show in the way I teach my children about trusting God, even though we're struggling. Because our children know. They can hear our conversations. It will show in the example I set to the world. There's no reason to get heated. Trust in the Lord, says the psalmist. And do good. Secondly, he says, delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. I love this verse. You see, before you became a believer, think back on those days when you heard about God. Did you, did you necessarily get an image of a God who loves you? You see, some people hear the word God and they think of this guy who puts the rules out there, who's harsh, who spoils our fun. But they haven't got a relationship with this one. And then when God does his work in us, when he reveals himself to us, we find a holy God. We find a God who is all-powerful, who is sovereign. We find a God who is exalted, but we also find a God who is compassionate. A God is merciful and kind and patient and loving. And how do we find that? Because God is making himself known to us. We are now in a relationship with God. It is developing. And it's like any relationship. When you get to know the one that you love, you get to know that side of them too. You don't just get to know the side of the one that initially dated you, which might be very different because there was that gloss and that image on You get to know the one who is underneath there, who can love, who can love even you. And so when we get to know God, 
we find that our delight is in Him. As a believer here today, is your delight still in the Lord? When you're looking around at the circumstances around you and you find your heart getting heated up, ask yourself, what is my relationship with the Lord like? Am I still delighting in Him? And if not, you know what to do. You need to trust in the Lord again. Back to step one. You need to find your delight in Him. You need to find that love for the Lord. Has He changed? He hasn't changed at all. You've moved in that relationship. You need to find His love again like a lover finding delight in the loved one. Find your love in the Lord. If you don't, your eyes will get fixed on another. And that's the world around you. And His promise to you is, He will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, who doesn't want what they really want? Yeah? Are you masochists? I want the things I hate. No. You want what you want, right? Nothing gives us more delight than getting what we really want. Now, who knows our hearts best? The Lord, our Creator, knows what I really need. And He will give me the real desires of my heart. Not the murk, not all those other things that are the plain, always the plain. Not those things. He will give me what I really need. He will give me the desires of my heart. What He knows I need. If I delight in Him. Thirdly, He says, don't just trust in the Lord, don't just delight in the Lord, but commit your way to the Lord. You see, there's always an action that must follow from faith. Commit your way to the Lord. Now, that little word commit is a really interesting little word. It literally means to roll your way onto God. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll it onto Him. And the, the picture is taken from where they would unroll big rocks. You know, um, when David wrote the psalm, he knew all about big buildings. We have no idea. They knew about big buildings. You go to India, you see massive buildings. They knew how to handle blocks and round rocks that have been carved that way. And the way you did it, you, wasn't, you just didn't just pick it up. You would move them along using inertia and momentum and you would roll them off. You didn't pick them up. And so a ship would come along to a dock, it would dock there and then they would roll this rock off onto the wharf and the whole ship would kind of go. That's the image here. Do you get it? Roll your way onto the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Instead of getting heated up because your life doesn't seem to be working, roll your life onto the Lord. Entrust Him with it. Have you really got control of your life? Who's got the ultimate control? God has. And so, give it to Him. A famous guy called Homer, and that's not the one you're thinking of. It's not Homer Simpson. It is a famous dead historian called Homer. He said this, and you'll know this quite well. He said, I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. So entrust it to him. It's very much the same as Peter was saying, the Apostle Peter was saying in 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 7, when he said, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. There's that same phrase again. Cast all your anxiety onto him. 
give it to Him. I've said it so many times before, the way we try and tackle life is to hold on to our issues and say, God, hold me while I hold my issues. Well, God says, no, no, give me your life, the whole life, not just your issues. Roll it onto me and I will carry you. I hold your future. I hold you. That's what he's saying. Commit your way to the Lord. And then the promise to you, look in verse 5. Trust in him and he will do it. He will act. There's finality here. You trust your way to the Lord, he will act. There's no need to get all head up about your life. And what will God do? Verse 6 carries on and expands it a bit. He says, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Now that's an interesting verse. So in other words, when I give my life to the Lord and my direction to the Lord, is He going to make my righteousness shine? Is that what the texts are saying? No. It's not about you at all. It's about His righteousness through you. That's what it's about. And so the way God works that is, He does good in your life and His righteousness is shown to others through your life, by your obedience to Him. His righteousness is shown. He brings His solution into your life, if you will but trust Him. And so we need to give any and every situation to Him in our lives. I'll repeat that. We need to give any and every situation to Him. Do you hear any exclusion clauses there? Any and every to the Lord. Roll them onto the Lord and He will work in our situations. Trust in Him and He will do it. Fourthly, He says to us, don't just trust and delight and commit your way to the Lord, but be still before the Lord. Verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not, there's our phrase, Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Now in modern society, we don't know what this waiting is. We don't know what it is to be still before the Lord anymore. We find it very hard to be still at all. You cut yourself off from your social media and try and see what happens to you. Many of us will turn into nervous wreck. We'll turn into horrible people because we won't know what to do with all our time. Right? If you think I'm lying, try it. You try it. Cut off your media for one day, all of it. Phone, telephone, I mean phone, mobile, internet, everything. Speak to people. It's quite a nice change. And see what happens to you. Initially, you'll have to adapt. Because we've got so absorbed into all this media. You see, we don't know what it is to be still anymore. Literally, it means here, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. That's how you should be still. Have you seen a baby when it's had its good feed on mum? And it just lies there. I'm trying to think back now, but it's like, it just lies there, sometimes mouth open. And it just sleeps. That's the image here. You feed on the Lord. You've trusted Him. You've committed your way. Now rest in Him. Rest in His arms. You've committed your way. You've rolled it off onto Him, haven't you? Now rest in Him. Be still before the Lord. Stop fretting. It's the opposite. Do you see a baby fretting when it's had a meal? No. It's rest. There's resting in and a longing patience. 
to wait on the Lord. It's very hard for us in our instant gratification age to understand this. But that's what the Lord says to us through the Psalms. An act of resting means a stillness before the Lord. Do you ever stop and give the Lord time to speak to you? When you're reading your Bible, do you do your quick, I oh, better do my quiet time today, it's five minutes. You're going to do five minutes. And you start and I pray to you, yeah, pray. Yeah. Amen. Now I've got to go. Come on, is it? Come on, am I alone here? Obviously. The Lord says, be still before me. When you've read my word, give yourself enough time in the day to think through these things, to mull over them, to allow my spirit to speak into your spirit. Be still before the Lord. Cut off everything else. Wait on me. Learn patience from me and I will answer you. Don't you believe I'm a sovereign God? Don't you believe I love you? Thirdly, uh, fifthly, the Lord says through the psalmist here, refrain from anger. Verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Refrain from anger. That word refrain means stop it. Stop it right now. Cease, your Bible might say. Is action to be taken. It's in the command form. Stop your anger. Anger against whom? Well, initially it might be because of what you've seen. You might be angry because you see social injustice around you. You might be angry in India when you see people suffering and these politicians not delivering on their promises and people are suffering on the ground. Yes, you might be angry, but if we don't deal with that anger, what does it turn to in us? It turns to anger against God. God, why don't, why aren't you doing something against God, why aren't you doing something in my situation? And again, we start fretting. He says, stop it. Cease your anger. Because you will sin against me in the end. That's what he's saying in this verse. It only tends to evil. Turn your backs on wrath. What is wrath? Wrath is built up anger. It's anger that hasn't been dealt with. It turns into wrath, that old English word. He's saying if you don't deal with it, it's going to turn into sin against me. And so I want you to stop it right now and to turn your back on. That's what the word forsake means. Turn your back on and walk away from it. Because if you don't, you will sin against Almighty God. So you get it? The psalmist says you want to stop fretting. You want to stop getting all hit up. Well, they're your things. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. And don't get angry at God. So look up to the Lord. But there's a last section here, verses 9 to 11. He says, don't just look up, but look ahead. Look ahead. See the bigger perspective here. You know, sometimes it really helps us when we're in a situation to ask someone outside, hey, tell me, when you look at 
the situation of mine. What do you see? Because they've got a different perspective on it. We're in it. And so the psalmist is here saying, don't just look up, but look ahead. See the perspective here. Verses 9 to 11. For evildoers shall be cut off. This is a big picture. And those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the earth. Do you see the opposites? In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. There's a perspective on the situation. Are you going through a hard time in in your life? Do you see evildoers doing really well outside? Here's the perspective, the framework around your situation. Look ahead. See the perspective. You may see the godless flourish, but it's all temporary. It won't last. A few years on this earth, and then they will be cast down. They'll be literally cut off and separated from the very source of the life they have now. Who gives life to the wicked? Almighty God. And what does he say one day is going to be the judgment on them? They will be cut off from him. They will have no source of life anymore. They will die eternally. They will wither away to nothing. You might look for them in the place where they usually are, says Scripture. You will seek for them, says Scripture. You will look for them really carefully among the rubble, but you will not even find a sign of them. They'll be cut off. So do you want to go and get all upset about that? That's the big picture. Look ahead. The righteous will inherit a very different picture. You know, when you're in India and you go through there and you see these massive buildings, they must have been amazing in their heyday with jewels on the walls, peacocks walking in these beautiful big gardens, servants running anywhere, elephants scurrying about if an elephant can scurry. That's the scale we're talking about. But now when you go there, it's just tourist stuff. Those big buildings are reduced to piles of rubble or empty buildings where no one stays in anymore. That's what the picture is here. That's the inheritance of the wicked. But those who wait on the Lord, says the psalmist, verse 11, will inherit the earth and they will delight themselves in abundant peace. Right, we've got it. So now I'm teaching prosperity. So if you trust in the Lord, you will inherit the earth, right? Big patches of land, big combine harvesters, big everything that goes with it. No, is that what he's saying here? Is that what we look forward to in this life? What's the perspective? One day, we will inherit the earth. Which earth? The new earth which will be created for God and His people. We will inherit that earth and we will rule on that earth, whatever that might entail. We will be on this earth. That is the future you and I as believers look forward to. And so here and there, or maybe through your whole life, you've got to go through hard times. The Lord says, look up, see the big picture one day. I will make every tear cease. And there will be no more tears. There will be no more furrows and brows. There will be no more aging happening. There will be no more cancer. There will be no need. I will meet every one of those needs. And you will inherit this earth. And I will be your Lord. And you will be my people. Doesn't he say that? Wow, I look forward to that. So what can come against us? Nothing. What can come against our brothers and sisters in India? So much. What can we do to help our brothers and sisters in India? So much. What do we do? Sometimes so little. 
We need to have a long view on the world and our, situation, and our situations. Otherwise, we will be consumed by the present and it will burn us up. I want to repeat that final sentence. We need to have a long view on the world and our situations. Otherwise, we will be consumed by the present and it will burn us up. Be warned from God's word. Stop looking at the world around you. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. And he will show you where and how he wants you to serve next. Trust him. Give him your life. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you remember the marshmallow test? Little kids brought into a room. I'm sure you've seen the ad. Given a marshmallow. And the, the person goes out and says, If you cannot eat that marshmallow for two whole minutes, then I will give you two. And then they go out and leave the kid with a poor marsh I mean the poor kid with a marshmallow. Even adults. And this kid sits there and some of them poke it and smell it and some of them just can't. They just go, yup, gone. And then they wait there for the rest of the two minutes. You see, sometimes we're a bit like that. The Lord has said, I've given you this life to live. I want you to live it for me. But there is so much better to come. You just need to wait. Live your life for me. Be a witness for me. But wait for the real reward. It's coming. But can we? We want gratification now. That's the biggest battle. Lord, do your work among us, Lord, so that our eyes are not so on the world that we become useless to you and your kingdom. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Keep our eyes fixed on the building of the kingdom. Keep our eyes fixed on our neighbours who do not know you. May we keep on praying for them. May we keep on speaking to them about the gospel. May we keep on living out the gospel so that the kingdom will be built. And Lord, if we have to suffer hardship, and you don't call all of us to that, but if we do, then Lord, may we see the bigger picture that one day you will meet those desires and you will be with us on this earth when we rule. On this earth, you will recreate. May your name be glorified through our obedience to you. Amen.